And now, coming to you from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting throughout the multiverse, the Nine Realms, Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, Niedeveller, basically anywhere that has the internet, really, we proudly present Radio Free Asgard. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 237 of the Only Thor podcast, hosted by a true descendant of Odin. That's me. And I'm joined this week by the local cicadas. You can probably hear them in the background making a racket because it's summer in the city, folks, and that's just what you get, unfortunately. Uh, Occasionally, you just got a lot of noise, and there's no way in hell I'm going to shut the windows because it's too damn hot. Uh, Unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it is the last few weeks. But uh, we do have kind of a dearth of news uh, from the Thor Ragnarok front. Now Manuel hates it when I say there's no Thor news um, because there's been dribs and drabs coming out from the set. Uh, photos of the set from overhead. Again, kind of sees there's some cool stuff going on. Uh, pictures of some of the, the props and things that appeared from San Diego Comic-Con, which was, I think, last weekend now. And so we have uh, you know, little bits of Thor news coming out, but really nothing that we can verify, nothing that, that is really all that substantial. So can't really talk about it. But I will say I am looking forward to it. I have to to say here, I actually sat down this past weekend and I watched a movie that that a lot of people hated, and that is the the new Fantastic Four movie. And I will say, I probably didn't hate it as much as most people did, mostly because I think my expectations were so very low. I don't really have a lot to say about it, certainly not going to give any spoilers to it. Of course, it's kind of an old movie now, and yeah, I'm... If I'm not really into it, I'm usually one of the last people to see it. I was probably the last person on my Facebook friends to see the Fantastic Four, and I will probably be the last one to see the uh, Suicide Squad as well, because uh, I just don't really have that much interest. But um, I will say that I didn't think that it was so desperately awful as some people did, but it wasn't the Fantastic Four. It just wasn't. It was somebody else, and that's kind of where I stand on that. If, if this movie had been about all new characters who had different abilities, then I think a lot of people would have considered it to be just kind of a by the numbers generic superhero movie. And it has that, that baggage of being the fantastic four where it's really not. And I think that's where it falls flat for most people, including me. It wasn't the FF. And and I think that's all I really have to say about it. But if you take all that out, it's not that bad a movie. I I guess that's probably a controversial thing to say since everybody just blasted the movie and hated it. But, uh, you know, it wasn't a great movie. But if it hadn't been the Fantastic Four, it wouldn't have been the disaster that it turned out to be. I will say that... uh, one of the things that, that that movie did accomplish was that it made the idea of having a stretchy character portrayed in the movies in a cool way and made that more plausible. Because I think the you know it's hard to make a stretchy character cool. It's just, just the way that they are. 
And I think that they did as probably as good a job as they could. Now, hopefully at some point, Marvel will get the FF back and be able to do a real FF movie and you know, build on that sort of thing. But a lot of the, the, the aspects of the movie, the characters especially, I didn't really care for. I thought The Invisible Girl was probably better than anything we've ever seen in an FF movie before. Just that character alone. You know, the Human Torch was kind of cool. You know, the thing was, eh, okay, the, the thing I didn't like. And the idea of a, a stretchy character actually kind of being, a you know, kick-ass. Um, yeah, I didn't mind that. Um, but again, you know, it wasn't a great movie. Anyway, uh, I'm beyond yammering about that. So uh, we are shifting gears this week. Uh, we uh, just wrapped up a little stretch of Thor Volume 2. And now we are going to move along to something else. And that is... Thor, son of Asgard. So let's just go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder, mighty Thor. And starting this week, we're looking at the 12-issue miniseries Thor. Son of Asgard. Issue number one has a cover date of May of 2004. Cover art is by Greg Tocchini. Shows Thor, Sif, and Balder as teenagers. Yeah, because this is that, that story that is about them as teenagers. And we have Thor kind of center stage. He's waving a broadsword around in his hand because this is before he has the hammer and he's dressed in a variation of, of his traditional Thor superhero costume uh, where he has a sort of knee-high wrappings around his, his legs and uh, he's got the, the sort of the four metal plates on the, on the front of his costume where, where the blue circles would be in the superhero costume and he's got these sort of red wraps around his wrists. He doesn't wear a cape. Uh, we've got uh, Sif looking very much like Katniss Everdeen from Hunger Games over on the left with a bow and arrow. And to the uh, right of Thor on the cover, we have Balder, who is wearing just sort of a kind of a toga sort of thing and, and wielding a spear. And they're standing in this sort of gloopy gooey looking for thing anyway so uh it, it was a beautiful painted cover here and we open up to the uh, beginning and we have a, a introduction and what is happening while this introduction is going on is we've got this description of asgard and we see asgard looming up out of the the mists and you know the majestic buildings and the rainbow bridge stretching forward and we see Heimdall standing on the bridge. And, you know, as it's talking about the, the various things of Asgard, we see these big buildings and trees and, you know, people milling around and, and it looks like uh, Asgardian pigeons. I wonder if Asgardian pigeons are pigeon gods or whether they're just like regular pigeons. <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, we have all these Asgardians kind of wandering around and, we have this kind of view of, of Asgard, and uh, I'm gonna, just going to go ahead and read this out as, as continuous and just try to picture all of this in your mind and as, as, as I talk about it. Asgard, home of the mighty Norse gods, 
To enter the kingdom of Asgard is no easy task. We must first cross Bivrost, the mystic rainbow bridge, the sole entrance to the eternal city and its surrounding lands. You may only cross the shimmering expanse into Asgard if given pass by the ever-vigilant Heimdall, guardian of the bridge. If granted passage across the Technicolor trestle, we continue on to the towering gates of Asgard, and through the gates stands the city of Asgard. While the streets of the city twist and turn in seemingly every direction, all roads in Asgard lead to but one place, the Square of the All-Father. And we see the square, and there's statues kind of all around the edge of uh, gods and goddesses holding up swords and stuff. The central gathering place for the denizens of Asgard, used for occasions and events of all kinds, for the gathering of troops before war, for celebrations in times of victory, for the issuance of imperial decrees. Designed to win respect and establish absolute authority, the revered square is a place of power, which is, not surprisingly, located directly at the foot of... And we turn the page... And we have the Imperial Palace of Asgard. And I have to say, the, the building is phenomenally ugly, but we'll talk about that at the end. After crossing the threshold through the main entrance of the palace, we emerge in the Great Hall of Heroes, lined with memorials to warriors who have given their lives in blind service to Asgard. This hall leads to the ultimate seat of power. Behind the doors of Dramir lies the throne room of Odin the All-Father, King of Asgard. And we see Odin, and he's there, and he's sitting on his throne, and he's got Hugin and Munin on his shoulders, and he's looking very regal and two-eyed in this version. Uh, this is before he plucked his eye out. From his majestic throne, Odin rules Asgard and the lands beyond with the wisdom, cunning, and compassion he has learned over countless years. A cabinet of trusted advisors aid him in governing the day-to-day -day affairs of the kingdom. We see, see some of his advisors, who <laughs> they're motley crew they are. And a contingent of savvy warriors help him keep the peace and protect his lands from outside threats. And we see the warriors who look almost as motley as the, uh, the cabinet. Odin's rule extends far and wide across the nine worlds. His attention is often required on many matters and in many places at the same time. But there are some things that occasionally manage to escape the gaze of even the most omniscient ruler. Evil things. Things hiding behind the closest of doors. Things roaming the closest of hallways. Crouching behind the closest of corners. Working in the closest of rooms. And as this is going on, we are kind of wandering down a hallway and we're hearing odd grunting noises coming from somewhere. And we see, you know, we're following to find out where this grunting is coming from. It's like, urgh, urgh. and we have a splash page here. It's called The Warrior's Teen. Part one is the title. And we see Thor... Sif and Balder, and we are in some sort of a treasure room where we have Thor, who looks to be about, you know, 14, 15 years old, and he is trying to lift Mjolnir to no avail, and he is grunting and groaning and trying to lift it, and Sif and Balder are looking very amused. Balder's actually leaning up against the wall laughing out loud, and we have the credits 
Akira Yoshida was the writer. Greg Tocini was the penciler. Jay Liston, or Liston, was the inker. Guru Effects was the colorist. Adi Granov was the cover artist. Oh, okay, well, I, I guess I was wrong there. Virtual Calligraphy's Randy Gentili, or Gentile, was the letterer. Mackenzie Cadenhead was the editor. Ralph Macchio was the consulting editor. C.B. Sabulski was the other consulting editor. Joe Casada was the editor-in-chief. And Dan Buckley is the publisher. And we see a whole page here of Thor grunting and groaning and trying to lift the hammer. And it's all very um, comical, the way he's doing it. And eventually he notices that he is being laughed at by, um, by Sif and Balder. And he stops and he's like, it's no use. And they're going, hee, hee, ha, ha, ha. I'll never be worthy enough to lift Mjolnir, the mighty Uru hammer of Odin. The enchantment won't allow it. They, they continue to laugh. I'm happy to see you're both amused by my failure. And that gets them to stop laughing. You have it wrong, Thor, says Balder. Sif and I weren't laughing because you couldn't lift the hammer. We were laughing because you never know when to quit. Balder's right. You looked ridiculous, Thor. You were straining so hard I thought you might burst a vein. Really? says Thor. Well then, I guess I can understand your laughter somewhat. You're the son of Odin. It's your destiny to wield the hammer and rule all of Asgard someday, says Sif. Listen to Sif. Everyone in Asgard knows that you are our future king, says Balder. While I appreciate your support, Sif, I know that nothing is set in stone. Though I'm the son of a ruler, that doesn't automatically make me fit to rule, no matter how hard I try to prove myself. And there's no need for modesty here, Balder. It's you who are beloved across Asgard by all creatures large and small. You're a natural warrior with skills that surpass even my own. Mjolnir belongs in your hands. And he, he beckons towards the hammer, and, and Balder looks a little bit disturbed by that. As Odin is so quick to remind us, legend states, Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, if anyone's worthy of wielding the mystic weapon at this time, it's you, Balder. And Balder's like, Thor, I don't... Don't worry, I said at this time. Who knows what'll happen in the future? I'll be worthy someday. I know I will. And then I'll come to claim the hammer as my own. And uh, Sif is, is looking at Mjolnir and, and kind of scoffing a little bit. Well, I don't like it. The legend sends if he be worthy. He? I could hold my own in a fight against either of you. What if me, who was a she, were worthy? Well, I'm sure it's just a simple mistake in grammar made when the legend was first written. And Balder's like, yes, they must have meant he or she. I'm sure the hammer's enchantment doesn't discriminate. Verily, says Sif. Worth is measured by your actions, and that's in your heart, says Thor. And with that in mind, I'd have to believe that each and every Asgardian is in some way worthy to wield Mjolnir should the need arise. Except possibly your black-hearted brother Loki. That trickster brings nothing but trouble whenever he's around. And the way he talks, trying to sound so mature, it's unnerving. Do you have to shoot insults like arrows, Sif, says Balder. By disrespecting his family, you insult Thor himself. Loki is my half-brother, says Thor, adopted by Odin when we were young, but he's still part of my family. And while it is true that his pranks have gotten us into trouble from time to time, I don't believe that he means to cause us any actual harm. Someday you'll learn how truly wrong you are about him, Thor. That's enough, Sif. 
There's no need for any more discussion about Thor's accursed little brother. You'll see, says Sif. And we see uh, kind of leering at them from, from beyond some curtains up above is teenaged Loki. And he um, is up to no good, obviously, as we can see, because he's dressed in green, which means he's evil. Oh, that Sif is a feisty little wench. How dare she speak my name, let alone the truth about my intentions? My hatred for all of them knows no bounds. There is nothing more I would rather see than those three destroyed. Now there must be... Aha! You three should do perfectly. And he finds uh, three pretty big spiders on a, on a big goopy web, and he grabs them up, and he's holding them between his hands. These words of warning are about to come true, Sif. Let me show you all just how wrong you are about me. And he speaks a, a spell in looks like uh, ancient runes. Probably nonsense, but the spiders begin to grow. And we cut back to the three, Thor and Sif and Balder. I, I think for the sake of this, I'm going to start calling them the three musketeers because uh, we don't have the warriors three around. But anyway, now come, says Thor. Let's. And there's hissing noise. And it is those three spiders, and they are all ginormous. And they come down, and they're all hiss, hiss, hiss. And uh, Balder's like, weapons, quickly. And uh, Thor grabs a sword, and Balder grabs a spear, and Sif pulls out her sword, and they are uh, going to go attack these uh, spiders. One for each of us, says Thor. How convenient, says Balder. And they encroach on them, and we have a little battle scene here of them attacking the spiders and we have you know Thor swiping at it with a sword Sif jumps on one's back and and is chopping its head off with her sword with a shuck and a flock and chopping its legs off and slicing it and there's this like filthy green goo kind of falling down the, the, the blood of the spiders as the spider falls and Sif shouts out the eyes aim for their eyes and Balder takes his spear and he's jamming it up the, into the mouth of one of the spiders. And he does this sort of pole vaulting thing onto the spider's back. And he shouts out, Sif, throw me a sword. And Sif whooshes him a sword, which flies through the air with a whoosh. And Balder grabs it and he spears the spider straight down through its head with a hi-ya. <laughs> And the spider falls and Balder jumps off the back of the, the spider. It's like, thanks for the assist, lady. The battle's not over yet. And Thor is still fighting his spider. And he's like, why don't you fall? And the arrow flies through the air, catches the spider right in the eye with a spock. And Thor looks around and he sees that Balder is, uh, is just shot an arrow at it. He uh, jumps forward with a sword chops off the uh, spider's legs with, the, with a giant slice, and the spider falls, and then Thor takes his uh, sword, and he chops off its head with a thwack. And Thor's like, well, that was easy. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, he was interrupted by a big old slam, and the big old uh, double doors of this uh, treasure room or whatever come flying open, and who should be there but Odin? And he has a couple of guards and things with him. The sounds of battle echoed through the halls to my throne room. Is Asgard under attack? And he sees the three of them standing there and a bunch of dead spiders. 
And Odin looks for a second, then he starts to laugh. He says, <laughs> how quickly they grow. Tell me, my three young warriors, tell me what hath transpired here. It was my fault, father, says Thor. I wished to test Mjolnir again, so we snuck into your trophy room. We did not expect to be under attack, or else we never would have touched your sacred weapons. Calm thyself, Thor. It is not punishment I am looking to dole out here today. You three should be praised for your actions. I count three dead spiders here. One slain by each of you? And Balder pipes up. Yes, my lord. We each killed one, but not without the assistance of the others. So you fought together and you vanquished your foes? Be this the truth, young stiff? Yes, Lord Odin. Victory was ours, but only by working together. Well then, I suppose you are finally ready. Ready for what, father? asks Thor. There will be time for explanations later, Thor. Go now and bathe yourselves. Freshen up and we will reconvene in my throne room at sunset. Oh, and do try to find your brother, won't you? I would like Loki to attend as well. And Odin is looking around as he says this up into the shadows as though he knows that Loki is up there hiding in the curtains and, and he sees the little shadow there. And uh, then we shift scenes, and we are in Odin's throne room at sunset. And the four youths are standing here in um, the presence of the Allfather. Well, young warriors, your actions today prove to me that it is now time. Time for you to prove that the paths you have chosen for yourselves in life are indeed the correct ones. Time to test your mettle for the glory of Asgard. Time to prove to me, your lord and liege, that you are willing to do my bidding. Time to prove that you are indeed worthy. It is time for your first quest. Are you ready to accept such a challenge? Yes, father, we're ready, says Thor. You speak for your friends as well, my son, not even knowing what the trials are that I set before you? Yes, father, where I go, they go, no matter what the tasks ahead of us may be. The four of us will act on your behalf without question or doubt. You honor me with your words, my son. Thank you. However, only three of you will be going on this journey. Loki will not be joining you. But father, says Loki, there is a trophy room that needs cleaning, Loki. A trophy room that is covered in the blood of spiders. Spiders that mysteriously appeared as if from thin air. I will say no more, as you know of what I speak. Leave my sight. And Loki goes off, and he's heading for the door, and the, the, the three musketeers are kind of watching him go. And Thor speaks up here. But father, Loki... No, Thor. You will not question my decision on this. Just as you three have your paths in life, Loki has his. And those paths are not meant to cross just yet. Excuse me, Lord Odin, says Balder. Where will this new path that Thor has set us upon take the three of us? The time has come to forge a new enchanted weapon. A sword this time. A sword which once cast I will bestow upon the Asgardian warrior most deserving of it. However, I have need of four mystic elements that I will use in the sword's creation. Four elements that you three will travel Asgard to collect for me. First you will make your way to Nastrond, where dragons still dwell. 
There you will retrieve a single scale from the hide of the dragon Hockerel, which then forged in the sword will make its blade unbreakable. And we see an image here of a giant dragon and a couple other dragons flying around. From there you will travel to the snowy peaks of Jotunheim, where you will pluck a feather from the wing of the snow eagle Nori. This will help make the sword light in hand and swift in motion. And we see, again, uh, see mountains covered in ice, and we see sort of a, a hawk or eagle uh, at the top of one of the mountains. Then you will continue on to Jinla, where you must unearth a jewel from deep in the mines there, a jewel which, when placed in the hilt, will maintain the sword's balance. And we see an image of a, a jewel, which is in kind of like a holder thing surrounded by flowers. And I don't know. It's, it looks like it might be in a, in a dungeon or something. Lastly, you will journey to Lithia, where you will draw a small vial of water from the lake of Lithia. Enchanted water that will ensure the sword remains ever pure. And there's like a, a sylvan lake, kind of very pretty lake with rocks and trees and things around it. These are the tasks I set before you on this quest. Is there anything further you would ask of me? And the three of them are just kind of looking there aghast. And uh, he's like, nothing? Excellent. I suggest you head to your rooms and begin preparation. You leave it done. And we see Loki hiding behind the curtains, with his, rubbing his fingertips together because he is up to no good. And we have a, a, a shift in scenes here to the uh, last page of the issue here, where we see the uh, three musketeers and they are ready to go. And they are standing in a kind of a rocky hillside and there's a statue of a, a warrior kind of blowing a horn. And in the background, there's various palaces and that kind of thing. And there's flowers and trees. It's all very cool. And so the next morning, the son of Odin and his two friends begin their journey to the wilds of Asgard. While they leave the safety of the castle behind them, Odin will no doubt keep a close eye on their adventures. But there are some things that occasionally manage to escape the gaze of even the most omniscient ruler. Things with a purpose different from those of a loving father. Evil things. Reaching for those we often hold dearest in our hearts. And we see a mysterious image here of... Uh, it doesn't look like a Loki hand. It looks like a female hand. And there's a sort of cosmic voyeuroscope scrying pool sort of thing. And the uh, female hand kind of stirring it. And we have to be continued. And that is Thor, Son of Asgard, number one. And of course, I do have a few things to say about this issue. And we'll be saying that right after this message. Superman, Blue Beetle, Captain Marvel, Firestorm, The Crimson Avenger, Batman, Halo, Guy Gardner, The Sandman, Shadow Lass, Dollman, The Star-Spangled Kid, The Flash, The Phantom Stranger, Power Girl, Hawkman, Fury, The Challengers of the Unknown, Nightwing, The Whip, Johnny Thunder, The Suicide Squad, Deadman, The Spectre, Warlord, Amazing Man, Our Man, Adam Strange, Doctor Occult, The Doom Patrol, Captain Comet, Creeper, Green Lantern, Uncle Sam, The Guard, Batgirl, Dr. Mid-Jonah Hex, Black Con, The Manhunter, The Guardians of the Florops, Blue Devil, Dr. Fate, The Legion of Super, The Secret Origins Podcast, covering every issue of DC's Secret Origins comic from the 1980s. 
hosted by Ryan Daly and a multitude of guests from the podcast and blogging community. Secret Origins Podcast. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're back. So, yeah, I do have a few things to say about the issue, mostly that I really liked it. I really like the art in this. I, I think that the this artist, he, he's got a, a very stylized sort of, of way of drawing things. You know, he, he ignores the basic anatomy of the human body, but it, it still works. His style... It's a little bit odd. It, it reminds me a little bit of Lee Motor. I don't know if you all remember him, but uh, he used to draw Wonder Woman and the Legion of Superheroes and that kind of thing, mostly over at DC. I don't know really what he's been doing since then. The style reminds me a lot of him, and he was definitely an acquired taste for me. And his people are not particularly realistic, but it works, you know, because he's very consistent it you know like like Kirby was and like Ditko was and a lot of other people who are very inconsistent. It, it still looks good because it's all done in the same style. It's not just different because it's bad. And we've seen a few of those artists too, but he's not one of them. We have the uh, the, the buildings of Asgard. I said earlier the buildings are really ugly, and it, I I find them really ugly. I I think that they're he tries to make them medieval, but at the same time really ornate. And he does that by making them very unsymmetrical. And so there's little noodly bits hanging out and, you know, they look like they're made of stone. But the, it, I don't know. They, to me, they're just kind of ugly buildings. And particularly the Imperial Palace just has this weird look to it that there's this little sharp bits hanging out here and there. It looks like it's supposed to be in human form, maybe, but not really. Uh, there's you know, all kinds of statues and things kind of lining it. And the most bizarre stairway that doesn't actually seem to lead anywhere. Once you're inside the buildings, I think I think his, uh, his backgrounds inside the buildings are really good. I mean, it, it seems to have a very uh, consistent... Uh, layout for for the castle. I mean, he has definitely has a a style of of architecture that he knows that Asgard is. I guess that's good as long as he sticks with it and and doesn't you know change it up all the time like we've we've seen elsewhere. But I, yeah, generally speaking, really like the art. Story wise, yeah, it's gotten off to a good start. I've never heard of Akira Yoshida before, but I do like his his story so far. He seems to have a pretty pretty linear type of storytelling he's not jumping around lots of looks back and looks forward and jumps to back and you know, uh, shifting lots of shifting of scenes um he's actually pretty much just keeping with the straightforward flow of the story that may change as we go because it's the first part but by and large i'm, I'm liking the story so far and, and like i said the art looks really good as well now having glanced ahead a few issues i can see that the art becomes less painted looking as we go and a little bit sketchier. I know we've talked about this before. I think when I was talking about C2E2, because I was talking about Isad Rebic. Now, you know, when Isad Rebic was drawing Thor, God of Thunder, and I really liked his stuff, and, you know, because he, he has this beautiful painted artwork. And when I was at C2E2, I was actually looking at his original pencils for some of the books he's drawn. And his, his pencils are actually rather sketchy. And I think that's what we see a little bit more of in this art as we go onward through these 12 issues. 
All right. And with that, it is time to wrap up the episode. Thanks again very much, folks, for listening. I really do appreciate it. And as always, if you want to contact us, please feel free to do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard over there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.